This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart, and I'm the producer and facilitator of this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. In this episode, I speak with artist Elise Ferguson. Elise makes sculpture and wall works that essentially function like paintings. Most of her work revolves around the collision of patterns and geometric shapes. Her work starts to look like an invented language, like a pictograph or a code. Her dedicated sense of craftsmanship is very important too. The work can fool you into thinking it is mechanical or like it was machined, but if you get up close and really take a proper look, you will see that it is full of beautiful glitches and inconsistencies, which make the work feel very human. Elise recently opened a show called Flippity at 106 Green, which is an artist-run space in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Here we are at her studio just before the show came down. Formaldehyde. Formaldehyde. Is that the launch word? It's like <laughs> formaldehyde. Uh-huh. Elise Ferguson, thanks for sitting down with me. We'll My take pleasure. A, we'll, we'll take in another strike at this after some technical difficulties. Uh, we were starting to talk about your work, and I was, I was hoping okay. to describe to people that are unfamiliar with your work. Mm-hmm what it feels like and what it looks like it's very matte i will give that the one of the one of the sort of like uh uh common things that people say when they get up on it is is the matteness is very striking so the the and that is a uh i've been enjoying the sort of push pull of that for a while now ever since i've sort of embraced color so the kind of like outward momentum of the color and that sort of inward pulling of the matte surface. So I think there is this sort of like a uh, friction it, that maybe is interesting. It w- matte color or flat color works well for your marks on here too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that hard edge. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense to me that you gravitate towards that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we started to talk a little bit about color. Mm-hmm. Color seems to play a pretty prominent role in these. How do you arrive yeah. at what, what palette to use or is there well is there any rhyme or reason behind which which colors you're choosing there is probably uh i'm not sure i can like give a a super crisp answer but i color for me i i just kind of know it when it's working and i know it when it's not and then and because i'm working in that kind of like photoshop realm where you can really like toggle toggle and maneuver uh, endless choices endless choices but I kind of know when I've hit on something and that's when I save as when it's like a cool thing. So my files are like a zillion layers and they're kind of gigantic. Um, but uh, I would say color. It's so critical. And I've had, I've had a relationship with color um, where like a lot of times at job, if like in a freelancey job realm, I'm like the color matcher, the color picker, the color. That's just like a lot of times color. It, 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 if it's critical, I'm the one who has to mm-hmm. deal with it. So I'm comfortable uh, just the w- combining it. I don't know. I mean, it sounds so lame, but I just... Uh, no, no. It, I, I think this. there's nothing lame about that. I've heard people say that, that they use whatever colors they wear. Yeah. And I would not say that's the case with no, you. No, I wish that no. was the case. I mean, like, I've never been that snazzy. And I, <laughs> I've, uh, so you use snazzy colors. I should definitely use snazzy colors. 
I mean, I look around, my my wardrobe is full, like, New York dirt color. So. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think, yeah. for as long as I've known you, I've seen like sort of neutral. Muted. Yeah. I'm in that in that factory yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, to circle back to how these are made, you, you mentioned digital. Yeah. So you build these in Photoshop first. Yeah. And then I and I'm kind of like, I don't know, just sort of randomly scale up things mm-hmm. just based on, like, if I think they can really accept it like a real scale up Mm -hmm. and then uh and then i basically print them out like really cruddy tiled together inkjet 100 percent versions of those on paper images on paper just like cruddy paper and then um so i can kind of see it and then a lot of times it's like dud and i'm like throwing right in the garbage can once i see it big and then uh then i kind of transfer the information from those large printouts uh sort of draw draw the thing on the panel because uh, what I first do is lay uh, that 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 ground color down, mm-hmm. um, gray or white or whatever the bottom color is, depending on like how the image gets built, um, and then kind of tape off and uh, the areas, and then trowel on like ten, twelve, fifteen thin coats of the plaster, and so that's how th- they're built up with a little Vene- excuse me Venetian plaster knife. So there's a lot of labor in these. Yeah, it's lots of touching. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, and they're built up. Slowly. They're built up. So they're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, 20, 20 30 coats, right. thin, thin coats. Then that's how because you have the stuff wants to dry slowly and thin. Mm-hmm. And um, where's where, where's the pigment coming from? Is that a ground pigment that you're adding to something? No, I I sort of lean towards this uh, German product called Mixall that uh, is a sort of high end pigment that. Uh, like uh, you might squeeze into house paint or something, mm-hmm. but it's it's expensive, and um, but I like it because it's ground finely and it's suspended really nicely. Uh, is it archival? Co- I hope so. <laughs> I think it is because it's bound in uh, like the the plaster is is like probably like eighty five percent like calcium carbonate, mm-hmm. and the rest is an acrylic binder. Um, and a little bit of resin. Right. I, s- I say that in a snarky voice yeah. because... I, I'm I, sure that, like, you know, there's people listening there would be like, please, God, have it be archival. But right. I mean, sure it's it important yeah. that things be archival, yeah. but I mean, the pigment's it's encased it's in a thing that right I think now. houses it properly, like right. acrylic paints. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you started to talk about how the work has developed over the years. You, you first identified and you so- still sort of identify as a sculptor. I don't know. You I don't know. know. I'm just an artist, I guess, to this point. Right. Well, and, and I was mentioning that these feel very sculptural. There's that yeah, edge. Yeah. That that 45-degree angle, almost mitered edge that goes into the wall. Yeah. That relieves the work off the wall when it's hanging. But I also it's want compounded it to look like a piece of paper. Edge. Yeah, that edge that's coming from yeah. the plaster. Is it plaster? It's plaster. Uh, yeah, it's not plaster of Paris. Right. It doesn't kick it dries, right. if that makes is sense. Is it wall plaster, like like traditional? Wall I mean, I plaster? think it's like it's a it's like a one step uh, Venetian plaster product. Right. Uh, well, I think like the Greek dudes that I've seen that are doing like high end residential stuff, mm-hmm. they're up there like mixing two part. They're mixing and pigmenting and smearing, and mine's just like a, a pot. But the beauty of the product is that it has that acrylic binder, so it has a pliable. Right nature that that actually makes it suitable for works on paper yeah and i and we were talking about math and design and graphics as an arc for me architecture 
and, and how letters these, and letters. Oh yeah, now that you mention it, there's there's typography involved in a weird way. Yeah, but I uh, I said that it feels some of these uh, they're almost like flattened instructions for something three dimensional. Like you right. could fold it up. That one, that square one, feels almost like a. If I folded that upright, mm-hmm. it would turn into a plane, and I could uh-huh. send it down. Yeah. Down your studio. Yeah. It's um, true. I think that's that's one of the things that pulls me into the work. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it's funny because I didn't really put stuff up that. Uh, Did you put these up just for me? No, they were okay. just here, and um, just I can't even remember why. But had I known that we were going to look at them and talk about them, mm-hmm. I probably would have curated the room differently. It's ah. interesting because I probably would have put some roundier things up as well. Because you're into more well, roundy stuff right no, now? No, but I think there's like a, there's like a, there's sort of an X stuff and there's mm-hmm. this O stuff. There's a lot of like circular things that happen right. in the paintings. Um, These staggered ones, you've done a couple of those. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are really cool. Yeah. And those are definitely like about folding and refolding. Huh. And mirroring, and reflections, and and architecture is, is a lot mm-hmm. in that guy. When I was looking at your work online a couple of days ago, knowing that I was coming yeah. to speak with you, I came across. You probably already know this. Someone recreated one of your paintings on their fingernails. I saw that. That's so good. Yeah, pretty amazing. I know she's cool. Do you I know, know you know who that person is. Yeah, and oh. she's done some really like tasty nails. But I, I, you know, I don't know. It's one of those sort of embarrassing things. You sort of Google yourself, and I saw that. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't think it's that embarrassing. It's yeah. pretty cool. I want someone to make one of my pieces on their face. Those would be nails. awesome. Um, well, let's, 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 let's put the work and the process aside for a second. Okay. I wonder if you could tell me, uh, was there a moment where you were like, I think I'm going to be an artist. This is what I want to do. Like, when you were a kid or... Uh, Further yeah. along, was yeah. there a, a pivotal moment? I was definitely an art kid. I was like the kid who did like ceramics class, and uh, my mom sent me off to Penland uh, when I was like in eleventh grade. And uh, Penland's in North Carolina. Uh huh. Penland, where you were. I taught last summer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I had a really really pleasant experience there. And I did vote. My I went off for like a little photo thing, mm-hmm. and um. And it was cool. I, I remember like there was art kids at my high school and there was like a couple that were super pro. I, I, I perceived them as like heading off to art school. And I thought, oh, I'm not I'm not there. I don't that's not me. I'm not I don't have it together. Where like did that. you grow up in Jacksonville, Florida? OK. Um, and then so I just like a little, you know, 18 year old ding dong thought I was going to follow in the path of my mom's business. And so I was like. I was like, I'm gonna apply for college and business, become business, and which is absurd if you know me at all. And then I quickly realized that that wasn't the way things were gonna go. And I transferred after one year. Uh, I went to American University in D.C. And after a year, I went straight to Baltimore and went to Maryland Institute, which is now MICA, same place, rebranded. And what what did you study? No, I you know just ding dongery. I just like uh, noodling around, mm-hmm. making stuff. I, I mean, what I was doing was like, just sort of messing. I really, literally, was just messing around. Like, I, I, I did a some photos where I would like uh, make these sort of um, piles of uh, still life things that were actual like pigs' heads and chickens and food, and painted them physically, and then photographed them to look like soutine. Like I was 
sorry, the early stuff is like visceral and physical and kind of grody. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like the type of stuff you make when you're in art school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and lots of costumes and like, then I, then I did like, I moved, I, I was there for about a year or so and then I transferred to Chicago and I made like, I did like 30 costumes for my friends and we did like a parade, a couple parades. So it was like carnival goofy, like. You were sewing a lot. The zero sewing, a lot of hot gluing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say there is sort of like yeah. a. Yeah. S- almost like a. Well, I mean, my mother actually. A sewing uh, component to these in a way. Maybe not. Pro- I mean, pattern making. Yeah, pattern making. Okay. But my mom had a women's clothing store for 30 years. Oh, okay. Ah. Where she designed and manufactured women's clothing, so. Were there were there heavy heavily patterned dresses and things in this store? A lot of patterns, and then not probably uh, uncoincidentally, my stepfather was an architect, so it was like, do you know? There it is. There it maybe is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it's and starting house, to make more sense. Yeah, and the house was full. It was a great. It was a great combo. Like my mother's aesthetic was um, sort of. Uh, well, there was a lot of like old Virginia antiques, so there was a lot of dark, classy things, you know like wood and then there was her sort of new aesthetic which was like um crafts and ceramics and textiles and fabrics and like um rugs uh and then my stepfather moved in when i was 10 with his like full it was like the full uh mid-century furniture collection of all all the must-haves you know so we had we had everything you can think of we had it and uh but together I think it really obviously affected me. Yeah. When you think back about your education, would you go to art school again? Do you think it was worth the endeavor? If you were if if you were to counsel a young person in Jacksonville, Florida now that's interested in becoming an artist, would you recommend that they go to art school? Oh, that's 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 such a complex question. So I think I'm glad I went to art school. I think I sit, sitting here right now it all it all worked out. It all it it's led to me being like happy and productive and doing pretty okay. And then, but I have nieces and nephews, like I have nephews that are like leaning. They're musicians and um, painters and things like that. So, but art school now is so expensive that it's very confusing. Um, so I think I was in a luxurious position where I was not saddled with student loan from my undergraduate experience. And I, my my graduate school experience was super cheap so it i think that's the main obstacle honestly it's yeah because i think you can cost of living versus debt yeah right i mean i think it's good to get a solid liberal arts education like Mm i i probably should have gotten more of a liberal arts education um and then because i went to like two art schools for undergraduate and then for graduate school i ended up going to university illinois at chicago um so I did enjoy a few sort of like out of the art department classes. You have an MFA. I have an MFA, yeah. What about that whole journey? Was that a worthwhile endeavor? Definitely, yeah. yeah. No, that made me what I am right now. Like fully just like That's reset the clock. Moment. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just sort of like eh, kind of into it, sort of messing around, like doing nothing that was like what I would describe as sort of signature. Or, um, and then I started getting more serious about a studio practice and then I started applying to grad school, and I think I actually only applied to UIC because at the time, it was a super hot program. It was like small, it was crazily affordable, and had great faculty. And um, 
and it was in the town where I lived, and I, I was happy in Chicago at the time, so it was a good fit. Uh, it took two tries, and I got in, and then I really got, uh, I don't know, just reshaped in a great way how I think about what I do in the studio. Was there a professor or a class that you took that was really important to you arriving at that? I think it was a whole kind of like ecosystem okay. that made me think that. It was, it was like... It was holistic. It was Yeah, because it was small and it was intimate and there was barely any facilities. So it was just all about like talking. Talking and looking and raking you over the coals in a good way. Um, and I had, a, I had a positive experience. There was people like before, during, and after me that have had really hard times and they maybe dropped out or, but mine was like a breezy, I had a good time. One of the things I like asking is required reading. I'm always curious what, what people read that helped them along the way. Is there, are you a reader? I'm not a giant reader. I have like a stack of books that I need to read, but um, are there any books that stand out as if you're, interested in I mean it's, yeah doing something in the arts you should check this book out or is there a book that you just should read because you're a human being on this planet right now See, I don't know those are hard questions because I would I don't really know how to recommend like the the the, the critical text because mm-hmm. I'm not an educator right now if I were an educator which most of my peers are I'd have like a a super sweet reading list, but mine's like a very personal idiosyncratic path. And so like I, in some weird way, like Ernst Gombrich, like, you know, these sort of like the, the science and the art and the philosophy of looking and seeing and pattern and, and, and the dissolution or the, the repetition, you know, repetition, uh, has lingered forever for me. And it's still like pattern and repetition, and the and the breakdown of it are um, integral to like image making, mm-hmm. and actually more so uh, the seeing of the thing that I make. Like I want people to have an experience when they're looking at the thing I make, and I always think of Gombrich and all Albers and sort of you know like color right. theory and uh, pattern recognition. Uh, so again, these are all just like my own personal personal. That's thoughts. enough. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Um. So what about? Like an, I'm always curious what what an ideal week looks like for an artist in their studio, mm. or maybe an ideal day. Yeah. Like if you could roll out a week that was just how you wanted to be, what would that okay. look like? Hmm. Okay. Well, I work uh, in waves. Like my my studio practice is um, is it, 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 you've got to chart it out like a like a weather like a weather parabola. Where I work really like putter, putter, putter. Uh, well, actually, before that, there's like gathering up things that kind of interest me. I do a lot of like just like looking and taking pictures and just gathering random images that I find interesting or mm-hmm. color color combinations. I'm like, okay, those are weird colors, like a like a shoe in a backpack on a, on the subway or something. Right. Uh, so and that's that becomes like, source material. So loosely, yeah, and then. Um, and so that's actually, that's probably like an everyday practice to sort okay. of gathering stuff like that. But then, so a lot of like noodling and gathering. And then if I have something looming, uh, like a show, uh, I work really like pokey, pokey slow. 
and just kind of mull over all the all the images that I have, like in really loose, random, like oh, I like if I'm stuck in the slightest, I like cl- like move to the next, move to the next, move to the next, mm-hmm. and then and then I'll kind of like putter around and like um, look at the internet or just really just like waste time between the thing or stare at the wall and then come back to the thing. So it's a real like if somebody watched me, they think I was like completely taken off. And then, so then, but as, as things get closer, uh, the way that I, the, the thought, the way that I look at the work, it loops faster uh-huh. and it's, um, and I make decisions quicker and I, and I'm more prone to kind of lingering on it on a tough image. Right. Um, and then I have to just start like making the thing. Um, and then that actually, it's a, like, then it's like muscle memory and I'm just sort of, um, mm-hmm. and then what I have to do when I make the thing is, um, a lot of times I have to burn silk screens. So there's a lot of the stripes and dots on the paintings are screened. Like I take the plaster and I silk screen it on there. So you push, push the that plaster, plaster through, through a screen. So you see all those piles over there. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And I have like this goofy little, like, where do you get these developed? You don't do right that there. here. See that little stupid thing over there. It looks like oh, a light table. Okay. So my neighbor across the street left that on my stoop. Uh, like a foundling, and then I just adopted it, and it's uh, what is it? It's a it's like a housewife's um, silkscreen machine. It's called a U do, and they used to sell them at Michaels. And uh, he his son is, bought do it. Do they still make them? No. And it's so like I a, got, it's like what are those little things? Goko presses or it's like, like it's like that. It's there's just like this, some black market for all them on the. So now interwebs. I have to do all secondary market where I yeah. go to this like silkscreen supply place and buy these like much better screens. Uh, but the, the weird thing about it is that I'm sort of wedded to this screen size that, that burns on that little device. that's 11 by 14. So my silk screen is very, has a tiled quality to it mm-hmm. because that's the size of my screen, right? which helps to give that like staticky fall apart nature of the, of right. The, the glitches. Yeah. The glitches. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, and I like to th- keep, which things. are really important. I think yeah, in your work. if this, if these were super clean, uh, they wouldn't pull me in as much. No. Those little errors and those yeah. little overlaps and those little, uh, they they help me understand that a person made these yeah. and not a machine. Right. I mean, um, it's like a yeah. real Persian rug versus like a Home Depot rug. Right. Uh, do you have systems? We sort of steered off the, the ideal week. Oh, But right. you're talking Sorry. about like sort of going in and out of being... Yeah gathering things and looking at things and starting to make it it's it's an interesting system you're starting to describe there when your work starts to give you problems do you have systems in place or things that you typically do to resolve those problems yeah i mean like uh if if the if the digital file is giving me problems it's like an add thing i just move to the next move to the next okay and then once I've sort of made... You don't punch holes in the wall. <laughs> no. And then uh, I'll probably just like turn to the internet for solace. And then... So then... But once I'm sort of making the thing, if I have technical problems, at this point I'm familiar with what they are. And depending on how close I am to my deadline, they're, they're, that's the level of code red or not. Right. Do you work um, better under deadline? Would you yeah, say? much yeah. better. Yeah. And... Um, but I definitely have made a painting and it was a full dud and then or made the thing and like halfway through then scrape a layer off, which is a lot of a lot of removal. How do you tell when that point comes if you get to the end? You're like, actually, no, this this is a stinker. I mean, I don't it, know. does it have? Do you, can you see that happening 
earlier on or do you have to commit all the way through for it to real to usually realize? have to commit all the way through oh man yeah because i don't know what the thing is so it's done and then so i know like 80 percent, but there's a lot of there's a lot of like color mixing and color matching becomes a whole nother thing once i'm working in the physical realm because the stuff dries funny and there's i've done some paintings that are like a medley of like mushy colored dots that add up to a, something interesting but but in the little pots that I mix them in that are laying on the table, they just look like the muddiest colors. Um, but I've made paintings that I thought were terrible, and then a week later, it was like something a really switched. pivotal, important painting. Yeah, I think those moments are important. Yeah. Um, to understand a failure, or what you thought was a failure a week or two ago. Yeah. And it becomes something new right that is actually working yeah and sometimes for me i don't know if it's do you spin these i mean when i'm working mm -hmm. the orientation which all I'm working the is always changing because eh, i don't know if that's working I, yeah. I flip it yeah uh and these look like they allow for that all the time and sometimes a real unsuccessful painting is completely resolves when I flip it on its side or yeah. turn it upside down or cut it in half and yeah. put the bottom on top type of right. thing. And I do that same thing digitally a lot. Mm -hmm. But then, but also once it's done, sometimes I'll, I'll do a painting and it's, it's looking pretty good. I'm thinking, okay, it's almost there, but there's something just not quite, it might be a dud, but maybe it's good. And then I put like a little yellow line on the edge and it's like, oh, okay, done. Cause just, it's like balance. It's like Mondrian style, you know? Uh-huh. Are there any games that you play in here? Studio games to to like. You mean like jumpstart solitaire on my phone? No, I guess I'm. I connect studio games to problem solving when yeah. paintings aren't working or the day is heading south and I need yeah. to, you know, get my spirits back up or yeah. pull my head out of my ass. Yeah. Um, and it'll be like, let's make a drawing. Uh, you know, standing on a ladder right. with the the piece of paper on the ceiling, and I'm trying to reach, almost like a Matthew Barney right. restraint thing, yeah, just yeah, to yeah. sort of get me out of myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, that sounds much more um, interesting and self-disciplined than my <laughs> procrastination. But I think your studio practice is is a fully physical experience, like everything about the way you make your work. Your your body is involved. But I, I'm sit like because I develop a lot of these things digitally, like staring at the right. computer. I do sort of go into this portal that I find interesting. I get in like kind of trancey states, mm -hmm. but um, but I think that sort of experience of like, okay, let's really throw a wrench in this thing. It would have to be a residency residency situation for me, where I'm fully uncomfortable with my surroundings. No, I mean what I do is what I do, and, yeah. and what you do is what yeah. you do. I'm not. Right, right, right. But I, I think I'm prone to like not disturbing the flow. Where I'm, I know I, it's good. Right. Like I, it's not that I think I'm superior by any stretch. I think I, it's me being um, stuck in habits. It sounds like you trust yourself too. So I don't trust myself sometimes. Yeah. I, I second guess, and right. it's just who I am. And yeah, I gotta like do some semi ridiculous exercise to remind yeah. myself, like, oh, okay, this is right. It's okay what you're doing. Yeah, or that failure, that way of that that start is worth correcting or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean like I sometimes have done like special outside projects, 
where I really have to um, solve a problem uh, in a in a way that's outside my normal realm. In the beginning, I'm like uh, like right now, I'm trying to finish up a Dudonay auction thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the little like nine by seven. Yeah, they're like fuck you, of, small piece of paper. Piece of paper it's like they so small. You? I just did one of those. Yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, it's just so for cramped. Paul. It's very cramped for Paul. I love Paul, it's, it's but it's so Paul. cramped size wise that it really forces me into another th- thinking style, which is, as I force myself to the thing, I'm all cranky about it. But then I'm like, oh, so interesting things will happen in those situations. Mm-hmm. But I'll have to have somebody else force it on me, and then I'll understand something better. Cool. I, I want to tack towards showing this stuff. Okay. Uh, I feel like something happens. A shift takes place when the work leaves the studio. Leaves my. I can only speak for myself, right? When my work leaves my studio and it goes into the marketplace, a gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I start to feel differently about the work and the whole experience versus the act of making it. Right. Um, because commerce suddenly is involved mm. and there's the pressures of that. And, um, you know, hoping that this stuff moves so I can pay my bills yeah. and feed my children and right. all That's these sorts of, of things. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think about that stuff while I'm making it. That's good. Like I think I'm that sounds artist. like a perfect scenario. Right. Am I alone in thinking that? Did, did, do you, does the work shift for you when, once it leaves the studio and goes out to be shown and to be sold? Um, I guess the or selling is, or is it the just one to the next? Because I get a little like, uh, oh, I hope it goes to a good home. I feel like a puppy breeder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I hope these get adopted by the right family kind of feeling. And then I guess I the selling is important. You know, obviously that's a thing. But it's weird. I think I have more, maybe it's more like some ridiculous high school girl. Like, oh, I hope people like it. You know, like, um, right. I hope the response is like uh, enthusiastic and interesting. Uh-huh. And then that will then yield sales. And right. that, this is my logic, I think. And then, which isn't always the case by any stretch. But, um, but I, I think, think that's fair. I think the cascade is you make the work for yourself. You're the first filter, right? This has to be up to my standards yeah the next is your friends and your community the Uh other artists that you love and respect right and then after that sky's the limit like hopefully other people like it yeah which is kind of the the interesting and i think good thing about an otherwise complicated venue art fairs Mm -hmm. um so many eyeballs that roll past Mm -hmm. that see the see the work and they and they never would have right so that's changed things for me yeah to have that kind of exposure i feel like art fairs are you know they're a necessary evil on on the flip side of that all those eyes walking by seeing so much art all at the same time they glaze some of it starts like your art can become invisible yeah. because there's so much other stuff right around i mean it. luckily mine's loud how do you feel about instagram and like I like Instagram. Work, and like artwork yeah. on Instagram. I like Instagram. You know, I'm thinking yeah. about eyes on artwork and yeah. how to get it out there. Yeah. I mean, I like looking at it. I was a real hesitant adopter. I had uh, my friend. She was like, just. I think she might have just forced my finger to sign me up. Um, and it was. I was instantly into it. I was sort of nervous about um, being public, I think. 
I think I had this weird thought like, oh, if I post the things that I'm looking at, everyone will know that I'm a fraud. <laughs> but I then I realized like, no, concern. it's super interesting. People, it's really interesting to see what people are drawn to, mm-hmm. like what the pictures they take that inform their studio practice. And so I I like to follow those people that are really good at uh, not showing you their work, but showing you their work, mm-hmm. like showing you their eye, showing mm-hmm. you their their mind showing you their editing skills and um and then you know i like i like people looking at my work like that i'm fine with yeah it. it's a good way to sort of yeah. spread the word yeah um and it's a way to see a lot of stuff without leaving or going i mean it's not <laughs> yeah. ideal right it's yeah. a small screen yeah. and it's not it's the it's right 180 degrees from what experiencing a work of art should be yeah but it acts as a good hook i think like oh I, you know, that looks like an interesting mm-hmm. piece of art. Where is it? I'll look. Oh, it's at this yeah. gallery, this museum. Put it on my list. That's yeah. what I'm going to go see. So yeah. in that sense, I think Instagram is useful. Yeah. And sometimes if it's something I'm really excited about, it's tricky because I don't want to look at too many pictures. And then, or there's like somebody, I don't really know their work. Like, I think his name is Michael Berryhill. Berryhill? Barry? That name's familiar. You know, he's sort of Kansas. Anyway, so... I was like, oh, everyone I know is posting. He's from Kansas? I think he showed at a gallery called Kansas. Oh, they just shut down. I know. Super sad. Yeah. But I noticed he's at Expo with Kate Werbley, which is nice. And um, so I was like, oh, look at those paintings. Okay, they look fine. And I went to the gallery and I was like, blown away. Beautiful, perfect paintings. Oh, I think I know the paintings. Yeah. They're just like the perfect amount of paint on that canvas. Mm -hmm. They're really nice. So that was an experience where I did not know the person and I know the work. But you saw like, it on Instagram. I saw it on Instagram. I was like, oh, I guess I better trot on over there because it's not, it wasn't a convenient location right. by any stretch. Um, but was blown away. Yeah. Um, I feel like Instagram owes us some money from, for talking about them. For know, right? Them, right? <laughs> 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 um, they might say the reverse to me because I think I've sold enough paintings via Instagram. You've sold paintings through Instagram. So according to certain people. Wow. Yeah. Like they never saw our good, it. our good friend and dealer Ryan Wallace says he's never sold anything through uh, Instagram. So it's interesting to say that you well have our had other success. common denominator Joey yeah claims to have okay of mine yeah yeah wild um, but it was somebody who already knew my work and was mm-hmm. like not there so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a cold click right but I think. Another Instagram thing that's interesting to me is, um, like, when I first joined Instagram, uh, that that guy, the guy who has that account, Onderdonks, it's, like, a super popular, really good uh, Instagram account. And so he was doing this thing at this really super interesting place, uh, 57 West 57 Arts, mm-hmm. that... Um, it's like a multiple room gallery, and one of them is the waiting room of one of the partners' child psychiatry practice. So huh. it's this like charged environment. And so he was exhibiting his archives. He was making the perfect waiting room mm-hmm. um, of all his like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, um, m- like magazines, prints, and things in the waiting room, making the perfect mm-hmm. waiting room. Um, and so when I first joined Instagram, I was like, oh my God. I can't believe I'm just going to go to the thing and meet these strangers that are like my soulmates. So right, cool. I I like it. Right, it's also a tremendous waste of time. Instagram. 
I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, when you go down that wormhole, maybe but if it's I wasn't, me just being bored. If I wasn't but. wasting my time on that, I'd be wasting my time on something else. Sure. Okay. Fair so enough. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to give it Fair some, enough. Yeah. Um, I, I meant to ask earlier, are you a full-time artist? Do you have a day job? Is something to help, help pay the bills? Well. Are you comfortable talking about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll still take jobs for sure. Uh-huh. Uh I, uh, so for 20 years, basically I've worked, uh, like primarily in stop motion animation and, um, have made like probably, I, I kind of lost count, like 50 to 70 UK market happy meal commercials Whoa. that are like all stop mo. Wow. Yeah. And, um, so, and I work with a, a, a group of people that I would describe as friends. And, um, so it's a comfortable sort mm-hmm. of working environment um but i've gotten really busy in the last couple of years so i don't take every job right um and then even this 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 calendar year has been even trickier so i've been pretty busy what uh what what role did you have in the team that did stop animation were you like moving the arm a little bit <laughs> no. or were you i was more the lights or? art director oh, okay yeah production design and then um so it was i mean i when i first moved to new york i um just came here looking for a job and I had what was described in the nineties as a book where it was like a three ring binder with pictures of things you've made mm-hmm. and a resume. And then, um, so I, I had that and I, I had sort of stopped doing fabricating thing, fabricating jobs in Chicago. But then when I moved here, um, I, I could do it. I knew I had the thing. I, I would just go to shops and be like, I, can I have a job? And they, and I got work pretty quickly. And then, uh, I was hired. It was one of those freelance things where I was hired for a weekend and then stayed for four years on Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, you're probably like a prime demographic, dude wise. Mm, when did that show come out? Maybe you're too old. No, it was probably like your nephew. I'm 40 years old. Yeah, that's true. How old are you? 52. Okay. And then, uh, so yeah, like more. Yeah, if you're like 24, uh-huh. it was golden. Like right. you were like a 10 year old kid. Right. And uh, so I did that, and I and I met a lot of like stop motion people, and then worked in that industry. So, cool. Yeah, I I mean I've had jobs on and off. Yeah. Office jobs, teaching jobs. Right. I see. Um, I th- I think yeah. if you're more as like teacher guy. Yeah. Well, the past I think the past since 2007 I've been adjuncting around. Yeah. I haven't so much the past year and a half w- yeah. when we had our second kid. Yeah. My time was more useful. Yeah, at home. At home, watching the kid versus yeah. handing that meager paycheck from adjunct teaching over to a babysitter. So I know. Um, I miss it though. I, you I, like it? I like it. I think it's a great form for sharing. Yeah, I believe in art is the exchange of ideas, and I think teaching is a really efficient way to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it you know it's. And so when your kids get bigger, you'll sort of gravitate back, you think? Maybe. We'll see. I don't have an MFA, so I'm, I'm sort of stuck in that adjunct world. I guess so. Um, but unless, you're, like, you're right at that like, age cusp where maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've applied for yeah. gigs and te- like faculty gigs, and yeah, it's always the MFA. Yeah, but people with MFAs have applied yeah. for it's those. Just a, getting... It's like a racket like anything else. Yeah. There's two spots and 10 million people applying yeah. for them. So. Yeah. Um, um, I wonder if 
if you know a, a common trope in these conversations are who are your heroes or mm -hmm. who are you inspired by mm -hmm. and i'm wondering who if we can think a little bit more broadly like who who are you indebted to um to think about who's helped you get to where you are now is it a family member uh, some sort of support structure yeah. mm -hmm. like who what I think it's really helpful for other artists to hear um, who and what has helped artists get to the point that they're at. So. I mean, I think my parents were super supportive, mm -hmm. and they've never, never once said, why don't you get a job? Why don't you settle down? Why don't you do something else? They never, ever said that. So I've always had this tacit, if not explicit, support of what I, whatever I was doing. And... Um, and, but I also am the kind of person that's like, I just get jobs. Like, I'm never broke. Mm -hmm. And um, and then... You're lucky. Yeah, I mean, I know how to work. I've had mm -hmm. a million jobs. And so and I don't mind. And, and I like working project-based in my studio. So, uh, like, <clears throat> to, 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 like, work in the studio for a couple months is a delight. And then, then if I take a freelance job, it's like a good, like, four to six weeks of just job. So mm -hmm. that, that rhythm is comfortable for me. So, but, um, I'd say, honestly, I have to really, and I'm not sure I've ever thanked him publicly, but I think Ryan Wallace has like fully altered my path Yeah. and, and coming in and saying like, will you come and show it the new gallery that mm -hmm. I'm starting? Cause then that, that was cool. It was the, the support and the, and the sort of openness of their, the way they run their business is just a delight. Mm -hmm. And then you know, working with someone who's an artist, it's like a complete luxury. Um, and then through that situation, uh, Joey saw the work from Romer Young, I think in Miami. And then that relationship has blossomed to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, thank I, you. I, I concur. Yeah. You and I have similar parallels on that front. Yeah. Um, his support is, deep i mean he's like a friendster kind of friend like he's got a lot of friends mm -hmm. and his network is is wide but he's he's so supportive mm -hmm. he's yeah he's an important figure yeah um is there a big break that you can cite i, I know you got that sort of mvp award at expo chicago <laughs> a couple years ago <laughs> yeah is there anything like else like that that's sort of uh you know giving you traction or or like pushed you a bit forward or I think Joey brought my work to NADA like in 2014. So it was me and Jonathan Rincio from San Francisco. Was that in Florida or here? It was NADA in New York. Okay. And that shifted things a lot, a lot, a lot. And then it's a, and then actually like, I think the biggest sort of like bump was when Halsey McKay did that thing at NADA for me up here as well, that solo thing. Um, so to NADA. Tunadas, those were big. Uh -huh. And then, oh, and I did a big project. Uh, I don't know what it. I don't know what it yielded. Uh, like a, I made a giant painting at the Untitled Art Fair. They had a three-person show in the front. It was me, uh, Ronald Bladen, and mm -hmm. oh, I can't remember the third dude's name, but it was a really nice piece. Um, and then, you know, I think those. I, I did an edition for Exhibition A, and I think they have such a like a spread. You know, it's like hiring a PR firm for a day kind mm -hmm. of thing. So that's, that's Bill Powers, right? That's mm -hmm. one of his yeah. projects. Yeah. So that was nice. That was like a big like 
e-blast and then uh-huh. i really liked the addition and so that was that was fun cool um so here's a balance question to that Uh-oh. um so you just went over who who you who, who you who changed things who changed things for you who do you want to kill <laughs> and uh-huh. i mean that not as like i dislike this person yeah um i pose this i've pose this question to other artists and it's this sort of follow-up explanation of who do you want to kill is yeah is there is there an artist or a person out there that got to a place or made something that you were working towards or wish that you had made Mm. and you just wanted to off them so that you could get there and take Mm -hmm. credit for it i can't think of anything in that because i'm sure i'll come up with something when i'm laying in bed tonight of that thing mm-hmm. um cuz i definitely have friends that are artists and they they're they're working in a they're working in such a way where they're like really protective of their zone but there's a lot of people doing that thing so they're like weirdly competitive mm-hmm. but i think i have some other like odd practice that's like i i don't feel too threatened but um i think as i become like a not young person anymore the the beautiful thing is that like suddenly i'm doing better than I ever thought I would at 52. And so the thing that's a delight is like, I knew a lot of people cruising along for the last 30 years. They were way more ambitious than me. They were like having all kinds of successes, people I knew and didn't know. And then things wax and wane. So I don't, it's not that I want anyone to like die or I hate them, <laughs> but I just know there's rhythms to the world, yeah. the art world especially, yeah. and that everything will balance out. Yeah. So if there's somebody who's having like, this, they're hot, 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 yeah. like there's some delicious schadenfreude kind of news about these crashing markets right now. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, that's com- it's a comfort to me to watch these, what I, you know, that you read about some artists and yeah. you're like, you sort of. You Google them and you see their picture and you're like, oh, I hate that guy. Yeah. I don't even know him. He could be a totally per- fine person, but you're just like, ugh, what a yeah. douche. And then and then the market crashes and you're like, yay. Right. So I think it's but more I, like people I don't know. Right. I, f- I feel like those people get caught up in those market crashes. Their work is tied up in, in a, a section of a certain part of the art world. Yeah. Where it's it's more like stock. I guess so, and, and I'm and so immune to that at this point. Like, right. you know, I don't get there's the no one that's going to buy my work. Or like no. buying your work to flip it five years <laughs> no. down the road because no. there's some mechanism and infrastructure yeah. to escalate your prices at auction yeah. and all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, you're not yeah. in that world. No, I'm right? too old for that, which is beautiful. Like a, it's it's like a it's a it's a plus to be like suddenly doing okay mm-hmm. and not being that young anymore. That's really great to hear. I almost feel like you know there, there's this popular narrative that. When women age, I guess I'm thinking of Hollywood because I yeah. re- read about actors right. starting these foundations so that they can create more roles for older actor, right. older women actors. And here you are, uh, 52 years old, uh, been in New York for how long? 19 years. 19 years. Been making been art for how long? I don't know. Another uh, Since I was like uh, 25, I'd right. say formally making some art. Right. So for quite a while, yeah, and things are good for you. They're, it's, yeah. They sound healthy. They're good. I, I said healthy, like happy ha- and healthy ha- at the same ha- time. I like it came that. Out it's like hangry. Funny. It's the opposite uh, of hangry. Yeah. Uh, um, 
so in that sense it's 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 like refreshing to hear that no i'm psyched it's yeah. like um you know and I, luckily you know my personal life is a delight so it's like i feel it's all golden um that's great but uh because i have friends that are young and ambitious and anxious and yeah. i was like dude it's a long game simmer down yeah. simmer down it is don't peak too early because it's like right. high school football star. Right. I have a I have a, a handful of, I guess, friends or acquaintances that are very young artists and and they're they're getting success quickly quickly than I ever had it. Yeah. And I'm a little sometimes it's, I get nervous. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it's a it different could, world right now. Yeah, it's even um, quicker to drop. Right. You. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm doing anything that's like. Uh, What's that dude's name? Simkowitz? You know, the flipper. I'm the worst with names. Anyway, he's some guy that everyone hates. Okay. And uh, he's like built and crashed lives. Right. But I'm not, not going to catch his eye. He's a collector. He's like a collector dealer dude. Oh, right. Right. Um, but uh, hmm. he's been um, held up as like, the, as like a bad person. Right. Uh, do you have... Well... Let me ask you this, and then I want to go back to the work a little bit. Okay. But, but do you have – are there goals? Do you believe in goals, like soft goals versus hard goals, mm -hmm. reach goals, things like that? I mean, I'm not really a goal setter, but I do mm -hmm. have – I have some ideas. And, um, and I would – and that, so I've made over the last 12 months some much larger works. So I'm, I'm on – I'm like – I want – to make some more bigger paintings. Yeah, that's sort of consistent. You sort of operate in this size. Like, those would be considered big to me, and those are, what, yeah. like 30 so by things, 40? Well, that's like um, 60 by 40. When you add them together. When you add them together, because right. it's a unit. Two pieces, yeah. right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm But excited. you're getting bigger than that. Well, yeah, like that, that thing that in the other room the is like 15 right. feet wide. Right. Um, so, bigger work. So, bigger works, mm -hmm. and some sculptures, mm -hmm. and some permanent material outdoor sculptures, kind of kind of stuff but i haven't really figured out how to solve it materially mm -hmm. um just because these outdoor sculptures or do you have is there like uh, an opportunity to make it or no is but i just it's like percolating in me i want okay. i want to do it like i have a desire cool um which is exciting because i sort of was like oh i don't i don't i don't want to make any more sculptures but now i have a i, I have this the yen for it again I'd like to buy an apartment is that yeah you know, is, it cool? is that realistic in this town nowadays yes yeah queens Queens. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I, that, that's such a, um, a rhetorical question in our household. Is like, I how do you buy a place? Do we want to stay in here in Jackson Heights for one hundred fifty nine thousand dollars? Come on, that's yeah. a, that's an affordable chunk of change. That is, that is, and I still think that this town is hackable. Yeah, meaning you can figure it out. Yeah. Um, real quick. New York for the rest of your life or are you curious about other places would you leave here do you think you could do be the type of artist that you are somewhere else I mean the thing is is like the only thing okay the other problem with Instagram is I look at everyone's giant studios in the country and I'm like <laughs> I want a giant studio in the country yeah literally that's like the thing that makes me want to go to the country because I'm not really like a nature nut uh -huh. like I like nature through glass you know what I mean I'm like super not outdoorsy um, I like a bonfire you know maybe a homegrown tomato but i don't need nature but what i really want is a big fucking studio right yeah space would be nice yeah. to make our yeah. work i mean this is pretty lavish here i just it's like, great how long have you been here seven years seven years um 
So yeah, I mean, I guess the perfect scenario would be like a city pad and uh, like a larger not city thing. Like a summer know. place with a uh, with a roomy studio. Yeah, I just want that giant studio. A couple I mean, thousand square feet. Like that Ellsworth Kelly studio? I know, Did right? you see that thing? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I was sad when he passed away recently. I know, super yeah. sad. Uh, like, major I'm sad. I'm a big admirer yeah. of his work. Yeah, I think, like, a, actually a pivotal moment in terms of, like, you're saying, like, influences or mm -hmm. heroes was that show of his at the Guggenheim. Mm. That just blew me away. Mm -hmm. To stand at the top of that building and look down, I was like, oh, man, mm -hmm. that's some good stuff. But you'd never entertain, uh, what are the other art cities... Oh. Without upsetting everyone, like L.A. or Chicago or I London. Like I did or, Chicago, and London's yeah. too expensive and cramped. Mm -hmm. I mean, if for some reason I like Northern Europe, I do like Northern Europe. You know, if something fell together and I found myself living in somewhere mm -hmm. in the in the north, because I I I like that better. I don't know why I just like Northern Europe better. I mm. could see that. I could see living in L.A. I could see having a house and a yard. And I have a few friends that. Have set set up shop in L.A. and they, yeah, seem, they yeah. seem quite happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a driver. I drive mm -hmm. everywhere, so I would not really uh, have a problem with car culture. Like, a, not a, a lot of New Yorkers are like, eh. right. I think that traffic is a big turnoff. Right, but it's the low roads. You gotta oh. go low roads. Stay off the freeways. So you even have the language for <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> um, yeah, goals are good. Studio, big studio. On a dirt road in the woods, I guess summertime. So, yeah. I mean, not a bad I guess goal so. to have. I don't mind winter in the woods. I mean, the thing is, is um, we're talking like upstate or something like that. I guess so. Yeah. So here's the, you know, like I, upstate seems reasonable, mm -hmm. and then I have this partner who's like a sailor coastal dweller, and uh, so he needs to be near he's a, like a body a, of water. He's a proper sailor. I mean, he races. Oh wow! Yeah, my sister's a sailor. Oh yeah, what kind? Yeah. Uh, she works up in Boston at the at a sailing school oh, in cute. Boston Harbor. Nice. But she's got her captain's license <gasps> and all these other crazy well, certifications. Well, he's from the, that general area. Yeah. We should visit her when we go there. Oh, man. I I wish I could be up there more to yeah. get sales in. I've gone a couple well, I times. I noticed you have topsiders on. Yeah, just these are my summer shoes that I just started wearing. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, um, back to the work real quick. We, we talked about your goals. I wondered... Does your work have goals? Like if yeah. what 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 do you want viewers to get out of these? If your if your if your pieces had a to do list, what would be on that to do list for this for for this painting? God, I don't know. That's really it's a tricky thing. I mean, so I just put some stuff up in a room, you know, a show uh, last Saturday, right at one hundred six Green. And and the thing about that show, which was nice, is that it was zero pressure situation is that because it's an artist run space yeah it's just like this freaky room that's like barely open mm -hmm. run by cool people mm -hmm. so um as opposed to like a gallery right that goes back to what i was, what yeah. I was mentioning about once the work leaves my studio and i feel really good about it then it goes into into the world of commerce then the pressure's there and so i guess i do think do? about it and i don't I, yeah and it's like you know like say a show whatever like halsey mckay like i'm like oh but I don't really, but I, I kind of do. But the one thing that happened with this show was like, uh, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to make any painting I feel like making. And so the colors got like a wild. Yeah, those are the 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 arguably loudest colors I've seen you Yeah, use. and I loved it. And I was like, okay, this mm -hmm. is excellent. Because I knew there was just, no one was going to say like, oh, stop making green paintings. 
And then I was like, well, the place is called Green. Who so would I'm gonna go. do other de- other No, but you know there's that, that thing that's like, don't yeah. make green paintings. Yeah. And I love green. Uh, but but shouldn't I just, it be like that every, like, if you, you just describe, I'm going to make whatever the fuck I want. It should be that every time. I no? know. I know. I know. Maybe it's because I'm not a drinker. I feel like that's the state of mind of like a studio drinker. You know what I mean? That kind of mythic. I'm like a sober. I mean, I drink, but not in the studio. Right. Um, I don't either anymore. Yeah. Every be- ever since I became a parent. Right. You know, I have to be careful with my energy. Yeah. And it's almost like training. Like I'm training. I've been exercising more, which That's is. Good semi out of the ordinary for me but That's it's good. like because you're getting like 40 fat or something no it, I, a couple of things one is it's alone time which is oh that's nice yeah critical rare. um and it's good thinking time i, mm-hmm. I like yeah. resolve a lot of things while i'm running and oh you like run around in the neighborhood yeah i go for runs yeah. and things like yeah. that but um it's also training to have energy to yeah. make the artwork and take care of the children and pick up and drop off and mm-hmm. get to that teaching gig and yeah. you know life stuff yeah. um but drinking doesn't fit in there yeah it it's that's a uh, were you like a party dude uh, yeah in my <laughs> 20s and 30s like you everyone could drink. else yeah there's I, I feel like i used to definitely not now yeah like um, i could never really drink i'm right. just like two drinks and i'm hammered yeah it's <laughs> gross um Did did we get to what, somehow work? we got about drinking when I asked what your work what what your work should be telling me to do oh, or feel? Okay. I remember you were saying like <laughs> what do you want the work to talk to people like what do you yeah. want it to say? So yeah. so that situation over there was so endearing. The night of the opening and then and then the sort of like uh, residual sort of Instagram posts that are like it was a real like fubu situation where like a lot of artists were there a lot of artists posted and so it was like really speaking to this community of Mm -hmm. maker seers lookers type stuff Mm -hmm. and um and the comments that people made were like so great they were so great they were just talking about the 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 glitches the texture the color just the stuff that i want people to notice it was like it was like putting on a crazy outfit and you're teen peer group is admiring your outfit you know what i mean it was like that kind of thing so and i like people to surprise me and right. see something that i i knew was there but i wasn't sure it showed right um that's fair but uh i think the main thing is people are always excited that it's so, the stuff's silk screened on there right yeah it's it's I mean, I mentioned it to you, or I asked you at the opening, like, yeah. what? remind me again how you make these, because yeah. it's, it's elusive. Like, there's moments where I, I feel like I know what's going on, and it's like, wait, how did she do that one? Yeah, and, and I use a really low mesh, you know, like a really mm-hmm. open weave, so it's like really almost like a, um, like I saw this print the other day at Dorsky, this Ruth Lasky print, um, that she does those, she weaves twill, she dyes the threads and then weaves these beautiful, beautiful things. And uh, it was a print of the fabric. So it, it was like you really felt the weave in that piece of paper. So, and that, that's what I like about my screen printing. It's like I want you to feel that weave. Yeah. And I'd say textiles are a lot in this work. There's a lot of textile talk. From you or from other people? In the, in the work. Oh, oh, okay. The work yeah, is, the I would work agree. is telegraphing. I would agree. Have you ever thought about, you know, your mom was a textile person. Have you ever thought about 
making these out of fabric or I mean I've thought about it for half a second and then I just got like uh overwhelmed with mm-hmm. uh the actual yeah process. It might be too obvious. It's a little saturated that market yeah. right now. And then I don't mean to like enter that market just just No, I'm just saying there's a lot of artists sort of making itself. textiles right now that are okay. doing great things with it yeah. and I don't need to like horn in. Mm-hmm. And uh but if somebody said to me like let's if some fancy textile thing like some Swedish awesome textile thing said, like, I want to collaborate. I would jump at the chance, like leap. Um, but uh, but I'm not going to I'm not going to sit at a loom for sure. Not me. right. Yeah. Right. Well, the work for me has has a tremendous amount of gravity. It's hard for me not to stop in my tracks and take these in. Um, when I see when I'm flipping through Instagram, oh, mm-hmm. there is an Elise. Oh. <laughs> stop. When I'm lucky That's enough nice. to catch them in a show or at a gallery, and like, what a what a delight to see That's them nice. in the Thanks. studio. But they have that sort of, and and I'm I'm biased. Like I like high contrast stuff, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of contrast in yeah. your work. That graphic quality, that edge, and then getting my nose into them and asking questions about how they're made. I've always been in love with the edge of your work in that yeah. 45 degree angle bevel. Yeah. And and I'm one of these guys that's at a show like I put my ear on the wall so I can sort of try and look behind it. Yeah, I love doing that with your work. And, I, I think and, a lot of people do that with that because it, it yeah. does look like a floating piece of paper. Yeah, and they stick too. Like I think about these after I see them. Oh, nice. And um, thank you. Which is it's for making high, them. high praise. Thank <laughs> you for noticing them. And but I think that there's like tribes and there's like the geometric abstraction people, and then there's like the blobular forms people. And I would describe you as a more blobular forms, yeah. shreddy, torn blobular right. forms. So I like that you can appreciate my angular moves. Yeah. Angular moves. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is a good spot to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. This has been so fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Elise Ferguson. Oh, thank you, Joe Hart. And um, oh, real quick, what's what's on the horizon? What what uh, Do you have any project coming up that you want to plug? Um, well, I'm doing a show at Romer Young that opens November 4th. Mm-hmm. That's in San Francisco. San Francisco, mm-hmm. exactly. And we're publishing a nice little book. Oh, great. Um, uh, like of the work that will be in the show? Or? Pretty much. And then some other like oldies that sort of have fed into that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about that. Great. And, uh, and then some stuff next year. I don't know, a little, little visiting artist gig and a show at uh, Barton College. And I think it's Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, and made some other like gallery things that aren't like chiseled in the books right in the works yeah cool well you're busy Busy. you're happy yeah you're making great work thanks thank you thank you And we've made it to the end. I hope that you found that conversation insightful. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured here by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.